Thanks for joining us for the special Mideast Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mideast Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Did you know that the Bible has a track record of 100% accuracy concerning its prophecies? That being said, are you aware of what's to come regarding unfulfilled prophecies? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on what's to come in light of recent events and how we as believers should be prepared. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on May 17, 2020. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them into little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. And that's how He said it. And that's what He did when He said it. We're just injecting it right into their vein. What are you injecting right into their vein? Oh, genetically modified organisms. Oh, by the way, Let me hasten to say that in vaccines, and you can document this, you will find the tissue of aborted babies. And we're just injecting them into the little kid's arms, right into the vein. One more thing that I think I would be grossly remiss were I not to point out, and it has to do with Operation Warp Speed, which according to a senior administration official, has the goal of making 100 million doses of the vaccine available by November, 200 million doses by December, and 300 million doses by January. Pastor, you're scaring me. Good. I'd rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell. And you'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but if I need to scare the hell out of you in order to do that, so be it. I don't have permission from the Lord to get up here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do and tell you everything's going to be okay, because it's not. I don't have a feel-good message. I don't have a message of peace, peace, when there's no peace. I don't have a message of, hey, we're all in this together. I don't have a message of, hey, we're going to get through this. We, we've been through worse before. We're strong. We're going to come back stronger. No. That's not what I see. I don't, I don't see that in here. I'm sorry. I don't see that in here. This brings me to 
what I mentioned at the beginning about the Christian having nothing to fear concerning what's coming. I have to confess that I, this took basically the entirety of this last week to put this all together. And as I'm doing it, and I'm watching, I mean, hours and hours of video and transcribing the the videos and putting the notes together. And I mean, there was, there was a couple of points. I'm just being very open with you and sharing with you that, I mean, I just, I started thinking, oh my goodness. So in my office I have, you know, security cameras. I'm, that's prudent, not paranoid, prudent. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard that expression, trust God, but lock your car. Well, I've added to it, trust God, lock your car and get security cameras. So I have a, a screen in my office uh, with security cameras. And this uh, white SUV, thank God it wasn't black, pulled up to my uh, uh, house. And this guy gets out. I'm thinking, they're here. They're, they're here. <laughs> they're, what, what, you know, and it was just that, that initial, you know, feeling of, of panic. And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Turns out it was a part delivery for our AC repair. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I mean, they're going to knock on my door. And they're going to, and of course, I'm going to test positive. And they're going to haul me away. I mean, I mean, the enemy's got me manufacturing and imagining <laughs> this scenario where they come in, these investigators, these agents, and they test me. And of course it's positive. And they're hauling me away. And my wife and my family are going, no, no. And I'm like, go, save yourself. And then the Lord brought me back to reality. <laughs> what, what are you doing? That's not what's coming for the Christian. They're not coming for you. You know what's coming for the Christian? The rapture. That's what's coming. The rapture of the church, that's what's coming for the, the Christian. What's coming for the world? Oh, the seven-year tribulation. You've heard that expression, be afraid, be very afraid. Now, that's not to say that things won't get worse for Christians. It is to say that before the seven year tribulation begins, we are taken out of this world. I'll take it a step further and submit that they can't do what they're planning to do until we are, until we, the church, are raptured and taken out of the way. A couple weeks ago we revisited 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want to read verses 5 through 12. And this is what's coming for the Christian. And it's also what's coming for the world. The rapture is coming for the 
the church, for the Christian, and tribulation and massive deception is coming to the world. Listen to the Apostle Paul, verse 5. He says, Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, holding back, that He may be revealed in His own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only He, and that's capitalized because that's the Holy Spirit, He who now restrains will do so until He is taken out of the way. Now think about this. The Holy Spirit is taken out of the way, not out of the world, out of the way. See right now the Holy Spirit is in the way, restraining, holding back this lawlessness, this evil, this wickedness, and the Antichrist. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until the Holy Spirit, as the restrainer, is taken out of the way. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit, where's the Holy Spirit? In the Christian. We're, we're the salt and the light. The salt keeps the rottenness at bay. The light keeps the dark away. When you remove the salt and the light, oh wow! But right now, the Holy Spirit in dwells the believer and follower of Jesus Christ. And when the church is taken out, and the Holy Spirit is out of the way, then all hell breaks loose, literally. Until He is taken out of the way, and then verse 8, the lawless one, who's that? The Antichrist, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth, and destroy with the brightness of His coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, verse 11, God will send them strong delusion. Hang on to that for a moment. I want to come back to that. That they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. I want to draw your attention to the word delusion and its meaning in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It carries with it the idea of deceit and error. Delusion can, listen to this definition, it can be defined as a belief firmly maintained despite being contradicted by what's accepted as reality or being rational. In other words, 
absent the truth, who is Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through me. Absent the truth, who is Jesus Christ, the powerful delusion will be such that they will believe the lie, who is the Antichrist. That's what's coming. I would argue it's already here. The lawlessness is already at work. Here's the bottom line, and I'm almost done. Who and what we believe will determine where we spend eternity. And we're all, every single one of us will either spend eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. There's no in between. But there is still time. It's not too late. This is why we do these weekly prophecy updates and have for the last 14 years. It's also why we end with the good news of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a childlike simple explanation of salvation. What is the gospel? The gospel, very simply, is that Jesus Christ came the first time. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, defeating death, and He's coming back again one day. That's the good news. That's what the word gospel means. At the beginning I mentioned that I want to explain why it is that Christians have nothing to fear concerning what's coming, and it is coming. And I also mentioned that I would explain how it is to be saved from what's coming. And that's where the ABCs of salvation come in. I mean in no way to insult anyone's intelligence. It's just a childlike, simple explanation of how to be saved from what's coming. Jesus said, you must become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Childlike, not childish. Childlike in the sense that you have this childlike trust. You know, as children, children are so trusting, which is why you have to warn them not to be trusting of strangers, stranger danger. It's a childlike trust. You know, there's so many people that, that are so intellectual. And it's not something that you intellectualize. No, it's a very simple matter of the heart the heart of a child, a heart with a childlike trust in Jesus Christ. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you've sinned and that you need the Savior. This is, <laughs> you would think this would be a firm grasp of the obvious, but it's not. The average person you ask, hey, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Their response will probably be along the lines of, yeah, I'm a good person. That's not what gets you into heaven. You might be a good person, but you'll never be good enough. 
Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Actually, that's what the word sin means, falling short. It's actually an archery term. So you shoot the arrow and you miss the bullseye, they would say to you, you sinned, you missed the bullseye, you fell short. That's what the word sin means. We've all fallen short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. We've all sinned, we've all transgressed, we've all broken God's perfect law. And we're all guilty. And now we all enter into the courtroom of eternity with the judge of the universe, and now He's going to sentence us. And you know what the sentence is, the penalty is? It's the death penalty. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But as you're about to be taken away out of the courtroom, of eternity after the sentence from the judge of the universe has been handed down. In walks a man, no ordinary man. He's the God-man, fully God, fully man, Jesus the Christ. And he says to the judge of the universe in that courtroom of eternity, stop, hold everything. I will go to his or her death in their place. Instead of them, I will die for them. And the judge looks at you and says, good news, your death penalty has been paid, you are free to go. And that's what the word gospel means. And that's what Romans 6.23 says. So I've been sentenced to death for all eternity. And by the way, hell is forever. At the end of Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is very explicit. And He says it in no uncertain terms, very clear, that everlasting death and everlasting life. Uh, Everlasting, you know what that means? It lasts forever. I'm not trying to be snarky. (laughs) Everlasting death. That's the sentence. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A, here's the B. It's for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Key word will. Not might, not could, not should. No, you will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and then lastly the seed, is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, 
that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. By the way, give me just a second here. This is very important. Saved from what? Saved from what is coming. What's coming? The judgment of God. Judgment is coming. God is going to pour out His wrath on a Christ-rejecting world for the last seven years of human history during what the Bible calls the seven-year tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, the 70th week of Daniel. That period of seven, that last seven years of human history, and then after that, the hell, the torment that lasts for all eternity, you can be saved from that. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans ten thirteen, it says, all, <laughs> because all have sinned, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Period. It is finished. Paid in full. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I know this is rightfully scary, and rightfully so. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And so Lord, I think there's a healthy fear, and if there's somebody watching right now that has never called upon you, confessing with their mouth, believing in their heart, acknowledging their sin and their need for you as their Savior from what's coming, I pray that today they will make the most important decision of their life for eternal life. And for the Christian, Lord, I want to pray and ask And I ask this for myself as well, because we see what's happening, and we see the direction it's heading, and we see what's coming. And for us, (laughs) there's never been a time ever before, nor will there ever likely be again, where we as your people need to put our trust in you. It's not what's coming, it's who's coming. And who's coming is you, Jesus. You're coming. And Lord Jesus, come quickly. Maranatha, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. 
Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.